Welcome to the Classroom to Boardroom podcast. If you are a teacher or administrator looking to change careers, you are in the right place. There can be many reasons an educator is ready to leave the classroom. Boredom, burnout, pressure from parents and administrators, the list goes on and on. If you are ready to move on from teaching, there are many roles in which you can use your teacher skill set to have a positive social impact and set yourself up for a fulfilling and rewarding career. Now, let's meet your host, Carrie Conover. Carrie is a veteran educator and EdTech corporate leader turned founder and CEO. So grab your notepad because your new journey outside the classroom starts right now. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Classroom to Boardroom. Today is another amazing success story. I can't wait for you to hear Chelsea speak. She is just so articulate and is full of knowledge. But before we get into that interview, today Chelsea talks about the cohort she went through a few summers ago. Since she went through that cohort, we have just allowed people to go through Classroom to Boardroom whenever they want, whenever they want to sign up. And while that has worked really well for the past few years, I have decided to go back to cohorts. And there will be only two cohorts per year. So why is this important to you? If you're a listener to Classroom to Boardroom and you have been on the fence about joining my program, now is the time to make that a reality. In November, we will be sharing our community out for one month for free so everyone can join the Classroom to Boardroom community. And everyone that is participating in that community will get a special offer at the end of November to join our winter cohort. Let me tell you, I am giving a deal like I have never done before here at Classroom to Boardroom. So, If you have been on the fence or you've been thinking about joining this program, or maybe you're just hearing about it for the first time, I highly suggest you go over to carrieconover.com, take our quiz or sign up for our newsletter so that you will be the first to know about our free community month in November and also receive the extraordinary offer that I will be handing out to all of you to join the winter cohort at the end of November. We will get started on that cohort December 1st and the entire program will run for four months. So by the time March, the end of March comes around, you are going to be ready to hit the ground running looking for a new job for the summer or next school year. All right, let's hear Chelsea's story. Chelsea, welcome to the Classroom to Boardroom podcast. It's so wonderful to have you back here with me this evening. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's been a minute since you and I talked, so I'm, I'm happy to catch up. I know, and it's it's interesting when I think back. So you had joined Classroom to Boardroom in a summer cohort And I really love this cohort model. I'm going back to that model again because I like when everyone gets to kind of progress together. And many of the people in that cohort are off doing their new jobs. So I'm really happy to talk to you today because your story is a little bit different. Your background's a little bit different and the types of jobs you've taken on have been a little bit different. And so I think this will be really nice for our audience to hear um, a unique perspective. So why don't you start off by telling us just your general career story. Yeah. Um, like you said, I 
have a little bit of a different background compared to some of the other classroom to boardroom folks where I was never a teacher in a classroom, but I've worked in education or sometimes I like to call it education adjacent for my entire career. Um, I started out at Texas State University with a TRIO Talent Search Program. Uh, that's a federal grant program through the Department of Education to provide college and career preparation services. Um, and because of how that program operated, I had to interact and become familiar with so many different levels of the education system. We were running a federal grant at a state public university with 6th to 12th grade students at multiple campuses in a local independent school district. And so it's like all these different things kind of piled up on each other. Wow, that's so, a lot of layers. <laughs> yeah, I really got a full picture of like an education system balancing between federal, state, local requirements, um, the nuanced relationship between secondary schools and post-secondary education systems. And as complicated as everything was, I really enjoyed working there. I worked there for seven years starting out as like an admin support role to becoming a middle school advisor and then uh, the project coordinator and finally the director of the program. And so where did the shift happen for you? And like, how long were you in that position? And when did, when did you decide like, okay, I need to do something different? Yeah, I was a director for about two years and I, it got to a certain point where I was looking for an opportunity to grow professionally because at it, like I was going through all those roles, I had done everything you possibly could at that job. I even created opportunities on top of what I was doing. And I thought that change was a PhD program. I threw myself into that application. I took the GRE. I did interviews with faculty. And I was convinced that that was the path for me. I could juggle going to school and working full time. And then I got my rejection letter. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And for a brief moment, I was sad to miss out on that opportunity. But the much bigger reaction and the thing that surprised me was the awareness that if this was not the change I was supposed to do, then the change had to be my job. Yeah. And I just want to pause there for one second because... One, I think a lot of times we think our answer is to go back to school, spend more money, get more education. And sometimes that is the answer for people, right? Yeah. But especially those in this like act of us in this academic education world, we always tend to kind of go back to more schooling. Mm -hmm. And what I think is also really interesting about this is that, gosh, rejection can hurt. But I know if we all look back in our lives at previous relationships, previous opportunities, previous teams we wanted to be in, clubs or whatever, that we got rejected from and how that pushed us into the right path. And I think this is a perfect example for our listeners of if you've recently just faced some type of rejection, maybe that really wasn't the path for you. Exactly. I think something that Someone said to me early in the stages of me realizing I need to make the change was rejection is just redirection. Yeah. And embracing that redirection really helps because you will face a lot of rejection yes. throughout the process. Yes. And you have to, you know, it's a balance of accepting it and getting better. And then I think sometimes people keep beating down doors that are not meant to be open and that 
start to get highly frustrating. And I think that is sometimes hard. It's like, do I keep going down this path? Do I need to just work harder? Or is it time to maybe open a different door? Yeah, exactly. I absolutely agree. You know, I always ask educators, which I consider you an educator, educator. I love that education adjacent, but you may not have felt like the typical guilt that let's say a teacher who leaves behind a classroom full of students feels, but did you feel any type of guilt or did you look back and ever think you made a mistake? You know, I don't think that guilt is quite the right feeling to describe what I went through. A unique aspect of the program I was working with was that our students stayed in our program every single year through middle school and high school. So there were students and families that I worked with and had known from the very beginning. The seventh grade students I was I worked with as their middle school advisor, I was able to stay connected with up until I left and they were entering their senior year. Um, if anything, I really grieved the chance to help support them through that mm-hmm. senior year, one of the most important years in their college going journeys. And at the same time, I didn't regret my decision because I knew I was modeling the decision-making that I hoped they would make one day in their own careers. So as much as it hurt and as much as I wanted to be there for them, I needed to be there for me first. What a great lesson for them. Um, I mean, if I asked you right now to rapid fire, tell me five people, you know, that are miserable at their jobs and complain about it all the time, but don't change. I mean, I guarantee you and I, well, I definitely can name a lot of them because that's what I do all day, but I I guarantee that you could rattle off five or 10 people right away. Right. Like yeah, there is. Yeah. And it's, I think you modeling saying like, I need more. I've reached the the top of this, I can't really go anywhere else. I'm bored or whatever it was, but I absolutely agree with you. We have to show young people that it is okay to change and, and make and take risks. Um, yeah. So speaking of risks, why don't you tell us what you are doing now? Like, where are you now? Where have you gone since that role? And then we'll back up and talk about how you got that job. Yeah. So it, it took a little bit to get there, uh, I will admit, and we'll get back to that. But um, the job that I ultimately got out of leaving the TRIO program was with the Texas Education Agency, you know, one of the big three uh, education systems. Um, I, I, I remember talking to you at one point and you said, if you have experience working for Texas, Florida, or Chicago school systems, there, you could get pretty far in ed tech, and uh, apparently I decided to nosedive into the deep end of the <laughs> Texas Education Agency. But I got hired there as a project manager, which was really interesting in how to approach working in that big of a system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up really appreciating it because uh, specifically the project I was overseeing was to do pilot programs for school districts and teachers to try out new curriculum. So I actually got to learn a lot about different ed tech companies that were offering really different and unique curriculum, uh, like Amplify, Eureka, Carnegie Learning. Um, I got to get connected with a lot of 
really cool groups who are doing important partnership work with the state of Texas uh, through their contracted relationships and hearing about all these different uh, groups and consultancy agencies. Ultimately, one of those consultancy agencies through our working relationships approached me later on and I was recruited by them to become a project manager for some of their workforce and education contracts. Um, and that's where I'm at now. The company is called Saffle Partners. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. And there's a whole array of different consultancy projects that they have. And I'm really enjoying the the different opportunities that are available there um, because it is not set into a system like working at Texas State University was or working with the Texas Education Agency, but it still, it complements the work that is happening in those institutions um, and other institutions like those. And yeah. I, I'm really enjoying it. It's so different. And I, I, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun there. It's interesting when I think back to first meeting you and that summer cohort yeah. Where, well, and like when I met you, I was like, you have project manager all over you. Like you are just, and it's hard to explain that, but even just listening to you speak, like you're a very well thought out, organized thinker and speaker, which is something that really lends itself to project management. You're a really good communicator. You're, you know, so and in that group, I remember you stepped up, you were like, can I teach the group this thing that I learned how to do? And I'm like, yes, actually one of your videos is still in classroom to boardroom um, where you were teaching about the Salesforce training module. Um, but I think that you definitely had those strong project management skills, um, soft skills that you needed and hard mm -hmm. skills. I love that you've gotten into a place that sounds like you have a little bit more freedom and a little bit more creativity. Is that what I'm understanding? It's, I am definitely experiencing that. I'm still new to the company. Um, I'm getting close to the two months in mark. Okay. But the, the ability to collaborate with my coworkers in such a different way, the, the company is growing so much that they need new systems and processes and they're open to it. And that's really awesome to have the kind of environment that's like, no, 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 we want innovative ideas. We yeah. want our people to be part of setting up the systems and processes that everyone will work with. And we want those systems and processes to work for everyone. Um, and it's, it's really, it's a different experience than what I've had especially since all my other experience has been in what people would typically think is very bureaucratic and mm -hmm. red tape and all those sort of things. So this is such a great and different change. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting because I think you do have to look at yourself closely when you're making these types of changes and saying, do I need to be in a place with a lot of structure where I go in and it's very clear what my job is? Or can I handle going somewhere where they want me to be risky and make mistakes and maybe they don't have everything written out in a handbook that you follow? And it's interesting because now, you know, since you came through Classroom to Boardroom, I recruit for several more companies now. And one of the things I look at is what is the hiring manager like? How much freedom is in this position? Does this person have to uh, function well in ambiguity? Like there, it's like, 
it's kind of like, I talked about this all the time too, but it's almost like dating and pairing the, the person up with the job and the hiring manager. Um, so that is just to this listening audience. I think that's one thing for you to look at how much handholding, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. How much handholding do you need in your next job? And it might be in your first role, you need something very structured at a more established company. All right. Um, okay. So why don't you share with us a little bit about, you know, the timeline of when you left the university and, you know, started to venture through classroom to boardroom and other resources. Yeah. So first off, I was overly optimistic about finding a new job. Um, I told my supervisor in March of 2021 that I was looking for a new job. If I found something, I was going to leave as soon as it came up. But, you know, at the latest, I would be leaving July 2021 because anyone who's worked in education knows the longer you stay, the more you get looped into next school year conversations and next school year planning. And I knew if like my hard cutoff was July of that year, that I wouldn't get pulled into those same things and I wouldn't feel the same kind of commitment to stay and see things through. Yeah. And the short story is that an opportunity did not come up before then. I was unemployed for four months and I finally got the job at TEA in December of 2021. So in that like in between time of realizing I need to leave and getting the TEA job, I realized I didn't know how the hiring process worked outside of my organization. For me, that was my the university setting. I also had a really hard time with trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. It's almost like I knew what I didn't want, but I didn't know what I ultimately what that meant for me to actually do. Got it. Um, and I was really grappling for that, particularly since I worked in college and career advising. Like there, I guess I almost assumed that this would be easy for me. I've coached so many other people, uh, so many students through the process that when it came to me, I was coming up with a blank. So hmm. I decided to hire my own career coach, uh, the phenomenal Dr. Lin Chang with Career Zen. She's amazing. And she is. Oh my. She really helped me to reflect on my values and what I wanted out of my career. Introduced me to a, a few different fields of work that I hadn't considered before. She, in fact, she was the person who introduced me to the concept of ed tech hmm. and that there were companies that did this kind of work. And when I was doing my research to try to learn more about ed tech companies, that, that that's actually how I found Classroom to Boardroom. Um, and seeing the kind of resources that you had and getting, like hearing about everything going on, the podcasts, the resources you have available for free. And I saw that you had that summer intensive cohort coming up. And I think I had just missed the deadline but I still put in my application and I decided to email you to be like, hey, let me introduce myself. Here's why I'm really interested in joining. Is there any way I could still get in? Um, and you thankfully did. And that I, I really appreciate that summer cohort because it, it helped me to find people who are in similar patterns of thinking and similar experiences of I may not be a teacher in a classroom setting, but I get what education systems are like. I get what it feels yeah. like to leave 
to think I'm leaving kids and to have people who are also learning just as much as I am, people who are wanting a change just as much as I was, was really phenomenal in helping me through the process. It's interesting with classroom to boardroom, and it's changed a lot since you've been in it, but this winter cohort that we're starting up, when people sign up, they get all three of my courses for the price of classroom to boardroom. So now I have a course called Kickstart, and it's like a seven-day Kickstart, like almost like that career coaching, like, is this right for you? What path are you thinking about going down? Then you have the full classroom to a boardroom, which is now six courses in one. And then also they get at tech school. And so what's super interesting, I think, what you touched on was having that community of people who are kind of in this similar place as you. But what I think I've even improved on more is that like you came in with a lot of strengths to already be a project manager, but you didn't necessarily have like the ed tech knowledge, right? Of like, where are these companies? How does this operate? Where someone else might come in totally opposite of that, where they know a bunch about ed tech products, but they have no idea how to upskill in the business world. So it was just interesting when you were talking about that. I think that's one of the things now, I think you were two years ago, maybe in that cohort, where it I really have done this more wrap around so that when people come in, they can identify where their weaknesses are and fill in the gaps um, as we go through this together. And then also having that community um, of support. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about you. Um, one thing that I really always have felt a bond to you about, and I don't know that I've told you this, is like, I am also a first-generation college graduate um, myself. I know know you are as well. Is that true? Yes, I am. Yeah. And I think when you are, um, in my personal situation, I would say that there's a lot of generational change that's happened um, through a lot of my hard work and determination that my grandparents would be extremely proud of if they were still here. Um, but that does add another layer to this. So talk to me a little bit about just you as a human being, like how have you grown and changed the most professionally over these years? Yeah, I think something that I've learned one working in a university setting, but then also navigating stuff for myself is there's a lot of focus and support given to people who are going through education for the first time. We have this whole idea of the first generation college student, there's support services, there's whole offices and departments nowadays for college students who are having that. And it's because we recognize that since they do not have the same kind of familial experience to hand off, um, that they need some additional support. And that's not saying that their parents or their family or their loved ones don't support them and won't help them through the process. But there's something about because they didn't go through it that th- there's a certain amount of information they're not going to be able to give you. Right. And the same thing happens as a professional. I went to college. I got my degrees. And now all of a sudden I had a whole options and options of things that my family didn't getting into management roles when my mom knew nothing about that um 
pursuing my master's degree, pursuing certifications when like my dad, I love him, but he's been able to be at the same job for almost 30 years and hasn't needed to do that. And that's fantastic for his role. But when I wanted to pursue those things or I saw that those things were needed for my career, that's when it was like, I'm here to moral support, but I can't really advise you in that. Right. And it's, it's difficult and you end up feeling like you you can't help but to wonder if you're doing something wrong when the reality is you don't know what you don't know yeah and trying to figure those out for the first time on top of i'm a queer woman with an ever-growing number of visible tattoos um that experience in professional settings has been unique for me to navigate and try to find my voice in these corporate settings and advocating for myself and owning my expertise Mm -hmm. is it's been challenging, but ultimately I would rather be my authentic self than to try to put on any kind of version that might be what I, the stereotypical like socially acceptable version of a professional. Wow. My my greatest Powerful. qualities come from me being authentic, yes. even if it's slightly different than what most people's professional experience has been. Wow. That's so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that with me and the audience, because I really do have a strong passion about us living our authentic lives, even in our professional setting. I mean, obviously you have to be professional, right? But everyone has to be professional, right? And then on top of that, just being who you are, because when you are authentic and who you are at your core at work, I think it actually creates a bond with your coworkers that makes work more enjoyable, makes it a human experience, right? That you can talk freely or be who you are um, because it's exhausting pretending that you're somebody else. Yes. And it it also becomes really difficult because you, you start to not be able to recognize when a situation is genuinely bad versus is it your fault? So I think a lot of people will be able to recognize like being a woman in a professional setting being told you're being too emotional or too loud or you need to dress a certain way to appear appropriate. And with so many of those things, it's like, is it me? Am I the one who has to temper myself down, present myself in a different way, like do X, Y, Z to be accepted as a professional in the setting? Or is this a setting like the environment needs to be worked on? The culture of what's going on here or my working relationship with this person can be improved upon from them getting to know me better rather than trying them trying to place their idea of what what kind of professional I should be Hmm. and you know can you imagine I mean if you're feeling that in the education settings can you imagine if you were working in like a big corporate super I don't even know how to label this, but you get where I'm going, like outside of education that maybe isn't as progressive. Can you imagine that what that must feel like? Oh, it's, 
it is something that is simultaneously so relatable, but then also so foreign at the same time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that very vulnerable um, piece of you. I really appreciate that. Um, It's not something we've really talked about much on this podcast. So thank you. What are some of the soft and hard skills that you were required for the roles that you've been in? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I've done a lot to kind of think about to be because I one of the things I remember from the summer cohort that I even struggled with in addition to my peers was how do we take the experience that we had from the classroom and school settings and apply it to these potentially corporate roles. And I, I think once you get down to looking at the soft skills you're bringing in, it could really do a lot. So as a project manager, open communication is key. You can't get anywhere in what you're doing if the team that is working on the project doesn't know what's happening, if the client that you're working with doesn't know what's happening. It's And that open communication just makes everything work. Um, and hand in hand with that goes with relationship building. I Particularly getting more and more into corporate settings, I, I think people overlook the how great of a skill relationship building is because it's the, the thought of what's the final product, what's the final budget amount, what's the final this. It's like, no, 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 we can achieve our goals if I have strong working relationships with the people who need to do the work yeah. or the people impacted by the work. And then finally, adaptability. And I feel like teachers know better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. All your best laid plans <laughs> will absolutely fall apart. Yep. So how do you adjust? How do you take the moment that's in front of you and adapt and make the best of it or make something new and different and just as great come out of, you know, a situation? Um, another key thing is adaptability. And I feel like teachers and other folks in education really get it because all of your best laid plans will absolutely fall apart. So how do you make the best of the situation that you have? How do you still try to achieve the goal of what the original plan was, even if you don't follow that specific plan? All of those things, open communication, relationship building, and adaptability really goes a long way. And I know you also asked about hard skills, Uh, Project management is a little bit unique. There's a lot of really great free resources out there. I chose to get my project management professional certification, which for me, being new to project management as a discipline, has been amazing to build up my expertise, learn a lot of the best practices and what the different approaches to project management are. Uh, I would say some of the things that might be more approachable to folks to get started is that there are a lot of project management information systems out there like Asana, Microsoft Project, Trello, Smartsheet. There are a whole slew of them. They all have their pros and cons. I would recommend seeing what free licenses people can get and become familiar with what a project management information system does. Yeah, Most companies are going to have a preferred system so you can adapt to what they use. Uh, for for instance, I knew nothing about Smartsheet before starting at the Texas Education Agency. And 
quickly learned enough that I was training other people how to use it. So wow. many of these things are me about you. <laughs> but a lot of these things are meant to be, if not approachable, learned. Yes. So you could do a lot for free. Yeah. I recently started using Notion with our team. Um, and same thing. It's like, once you kind of learn one of those, you can adapt and learn another one. So I love the idea, idea of getting free trials and just playing around, use them for things in your personal life. Um, and just see, you know, use them for your job search, um, and get to know them. So to wrap up this episode, what is your just kind of final words of wisdom that you would give anyone that's struggling in their current education job and wants to make a change? Absolutely. My advice in words of wisdom would be build up your network and your community of support. Transitioning out a job, especially a job in education, is really difficult, especially if you have to do it alone and you don't have to. I think that's the thing that a lot of people feel and it gets in the way of them making further progress. My recommendation is to find the people that you can vent to, find -hmm. the people that you can commiserate on how difficult the process is, find the folks who are going to be your cheerleader as you try and try it again. And these people might even be the ones to send you job postings or to be a reference. I put in so many applications and I never got close to a first interview without having some kind of personal or networking connection to the people involved with in the hiring. And in fact, I credit networking with how I got the the Texas Education Agency job and the job I have now with Southwell Partners. I met up with someone in my alumni organization and I was talking to them about the struggles I was having in finding a new job and the frustrations I was feeling they ultimately sent me a job posting is like, hey, after you and I spoke, this seems like the kind of thing you'd be into. I know so-and-so. Let me know when you apply and I'll let her know. Wow, that's amazing. Power of networking. Absolutely. And you never know what happens. Like even from that job, I didn't get it, but that person offered to pass along my resume to the next person who offered to pass my resume on to the next person until I finally got my job. And it's through that like I said, relationship building and networking and finding those people who are willing to support you, even if you just met them in an interview, uh, that will get you further along in the process. Amazing. Really good words of wisdom. Chelsea, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. I'm so proud of you and I can't wait to see all the impact that you're going to have in the future. So thanks for being here today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Classroom to Boardroom podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Classroom to Boardroom podcast.